Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm super excited. I love and I'm always very, very honored to be able to stand, to be able to speak the word. And I'm excited for the word tonight. We are in day 18 of our fasting. Okay, we are almost to the end. We're on the, the downhill slope. We're almost there. But man, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, for Orin and I, this has been probably the most, I don't know, in, influencing, um, learning, growing fast that we've probably ever had. That we've taken our fast and been very intentional about them in the past, but I feel like we took a different level this year and said, we don't care what it takes. We're gonna be more intentional about this fast than any fast before. And I, pre I truly believe that we've seen the fruit of that. And one thing I wanna encourage us as the body of Christ is the Bible does not say, thou shalt fast the first 21 days in January with your church, and that is it. It never says that. The Bible says when you fast, when you pray, when you give, that these are things that are supposed to be part of our lifestyle, that these are things that we grow in and we develop throughout life. It is not just a one-time event. And so I wanna encourage us as a church, be sensitive, stay in this place of sensitivity that you're going, and maybe you haven't fasted and you're here and you're like, oh, I didn't know they were doing a 21 day fast. Well then start now and go the next 21 days, but build a lifestyle of fasting and build a lifestyle of prayer, that there's times maybe you're believing for breakthrough. There's times that you're believing for healing. There's times that you go, man, I feel like I can't tell my flesh no. It is a very good time to fast. When you can't say no to Facebook, TV, fruit snacks, or Mountain Dew, whatever it may be, it's time to fast. <laughs> if you can't say no, it's just, just say no. Okay, just say no. So any of those times that you go, no, it's time for me to fast. And fasting, very simply put, is we're just saying no to the flesh. You are not in control of my life. You are not in control of my destiny. I get to choose what I say no to, and I'm submitting to the word of God. I'm submitting to the spirit of God being at work in our lives. So that's what fasting is. So I wanna encourage, make this a lifestyle. Don't be like, this is the first 21 days we saw some cool things from God, and that's all we have. This year, if we could come up with one word as far as Orin and I, I know I'm sharing a lot of personal stuff, but we've had a lot of personal fasting and praying taking place, so I gotta share with you. But in our lives, there's one word that we could really share with what we're going for this year, and that would be intentionality. That everything we do is done on purpose, for a purpose, that we have no random. That's been our prayer. God, we don't want anything random in our lives. We want no distraction in our lives. Everything that we do, we want to do intentionally. And one of those things I wanna encourage us as the body is that even come to church, do we come intentionally? Because sometimes we can just come because it's the right thing to do. We just come because it's Wednesday night or Sunday morning, and we just know that that's what we're supposed to do. And that's great, and there's God's blessing on that, but there's a whole other level that when we come intentionally, that every time we're coming, we go, I'm coming, I'm removing distractions, I'm gonna get everything that God has for me, I'm not gonna leave one thing at church that God had for me that I can take home. But then past that, another step that we can take is that then we take that intentionality and we say, I'm gonna grab hold of everything that God had for me Sunday and everything that God has for me Wednesday and I'm gonna take it and I'm actually going to apply it to my life. Because I asked myself this question today, what from Sunday's message have I taken and intentionally applied to my life? I've had three days. And when we think of it that way, we get this response. to church and it's not living intentionally as the body of Christ the purpose that we come to church is that we come and we grow together and that we grab what God because the thing is whoever's standing up here it is not Bubby's book of wisdom it is not Shelby's book of wisdom Todd's book of wisdom Leo's book of wisdom Brandon whoever stands up here it is not our book of wisdom that we're sharing with you it is time that we have taken and we have spent in the presence of God. So we go, what does God have to say? We're just a voice box, that's it. And so what God has for us on a Sunday or a Wednesday that we say, that was for me. God knows who's here, you're not here by accident. God knows exactly where we're at, where we're at in life. And every person in this room has the power that if you were to say, God, I want what you have for me individually, specifically tonight, he'll answer you right where you're at, I promise. So that's my challenge, is that we would live intentionally. 
um, and, and come to church intentionally and apply things intentionally. I heard some statistics this week that I wanted to share with you. One of them was that if you come to church and you listen to the message and you leave, you will only actually retain 10% of what you heard. If you come to church and you hear what was preached and you take notes, you can retain 35% of what was taught and be able to retain that information. If you come to church, listen, take notes, go home and apply it immediately, get a plan to apply it, you will retain 90% plus of that information that was taught. That was a huge statistic to me, because I'm like, man, be intentional, bring a notebook, take notes, figure out how you're gonna apply that, that if God has, I mean, could you imagine the disciples sitting there and going, so I wonder when Jesus is gonna be done talking. Is that for us? Were we supposed to apply something you said? Because that's what happens in church is that we're here and you're like, oh, I wonder when they're gonna be done. I wonder, oh, that was a cool line. I'm gonna quote that on Facebook later or Twitter. I'm gonna put that on my Instagram tomorrow. But instead that we go, if somebody took the time to be in the presence of God and they're speaking what God has to say to me, I'm gonna soak up every bit of it and I'm not gonna leave one bit of it at church on Wednesday night and I'm gonna apply it tomorrow morning. So if you didn't bring a notebook and you need to take notes, phone a friend, there's lots of paper in this room. And Jesse sells these phenomenal journals at the bookstore. They'll be for sale after service and she might even give you a discount because you're being intentional about coming to church. All right, so we're gonna jump into what we're actually talking about tonight. That was all just side notes and fun stuff as we're moving forward. But we're gonna talk about prayer tonight. This is a season of prayer and fasting and that we know when we have prayer and fasting and we just decide to fast and we forget to pray, we're only actually on a diet. And the importance of prayer in our life. The Bible says to never stop praying. To never stop praying praying. Okay, Jesus put great importance on prayer. I'm going to read some, some things I wrote down about prayer. Prayer is encouraging. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is life-changing. Prayer is eye-opening. Prayer brings direction, correction, conviction, connection, alignment, order. Prayer changes things. Prayer activates healing and blessing. Prayer releases power. Prayer connects us to God. Prayer cultivates intimacy. Prayer unlocks promises. Prayer is where our faith meets God's ability. Prayer is where my strength ends and God's begins. I just, I love as I was just going, God, show me what prayer is. Show me what, because simply in children's ministry, we teach the kids, it's simply talking to God. And that's really all that it is for us is that it's just, talking to God. Some more statistics that I looked up today is that the average Christian in America, and this is current, the average Christian in America prays 21 minutes a month. Okay, the Bible said, never stop praying. The Bible says never stop praying but the average Christian in America prays 21 minutes a month. I know all of you math and numbers guys, I didn't want you to be distracted for the rest of the service. It is 42 seconds a day. Cause I knew you were thinking it. You're like, 42 seconds a day in prayer. Okay, same, same testing or where they get statistics um, that they did is that they found out that the average American today American Christian, Christian, they're Christian people. This is not out of all of America. It is Christian people, professing Christians. Pray 13 minutes a month. Or I mean, read their Bible, 13 minutes a month. Sorry, prayer was 21. They read their Bible 13 minutes a month. Again, that's 26 seconds a day. So that is enough time for you to pull out your version Bible app and read the scripture of the day that pings on my phone. Copy, retweet, and put our phone back in our pocket. 26 seconds a day in the word of God. And we wonder why our country looks the way it does. We wonder why our families and our communities and our schools look the way we do. That if we go to the very basic, you skipped the whole Bible, and that there were just a couple concepts that were important, it would be, read your Bible and pray. <laughs> if you skipped everything else, read your Bible and pray. Two Christian concepts that keep you alive. They will not do that at 46 and 26 seconds a day. It's impossible. And so we're gonna be talking about tonight, my title is Choose to Pray. Prayer is a choice, obviously. 
Prayer is a choice. We make the choice to pray or not to pray. But I'm gonna make this statement. Every prayerless day is a statement made by us that we would rather live without God that day. I know that seems like a harsh statement. Every prayerless day is a statement made by us that we would rather live without God that day. That was very convicting to me. Because I go, we weren't created to live outside of a relationship with God. We weren't created to live without Him. See, when He has a plan and a purpose for our life, we are to walk out who He created us to be with His help. Not without Him. But we try to become who God wants us to be and accomplish what God has for us to accomplish without God. Every prayerless day is a statement by us that says, I don't need you today. We were never created to live that way. So prayer is a choice. If we are too busy to pray, then we are busier than we were ever created to be. Something is out of order in our lives. If we are too busy to pray, then we are busier than we were ever created to be. See, nowhere in the Bible does it say, um, if you get around to praying and spending time in, in my word, while you're chasing success, while you're chasing the next promotion, while you're building a fa happy family, while you're in seasons of whatever, then that'd be great. 26 seconds a, a day will do. It's not in my Bible. It says to never stop praying. It says to bind the word of God around our neck. It says that we should meditate on the word day and night. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Okay, this is what the Bible says about the word and about prayer. So it tells me that we have the choice. We serve a God and I was just praying today and I'm so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I'm so overwhelmed with his faithfulness. I'm so overwhelmed with who he is, that he's good, he's faithful, despite anything going on, despite who we are, despite how many times we've ignored him and only prayed for 26 seconds a day and came back and prayed a long time the next day, despite however many times anything is happening, he is good, he is faithful, and he is right there. That the God of the universe would send his son to die for a world that has completely rejected him and everything he ever said that it's for me and it's for you, that that's the God we serve and that's the God that wants relationship with us. He doesn't want us to live without him, not because he's full of, of rules and regulations, because he wants what's best for us, because he has so many promises, so much in store for our lives. We, we can live our entire lives and have perfection in every way. We could talk perfect. We could have every promotion that comes our way. We could have every, you just imagine your perfect life in our own strength, cannot lay a finger on the life that God has for us. But we still try to do it our own way. So my encouragement is how important prayer is. Prayer has become in our country that it's just associated like uh, with crisis. When something bad happens, and even in the church, when something bad happens, everybody needs to pray. But all the other days we don't need to. So I call this the fire extinguisher prayer, okay? There's fire extinguishers around the building right? In case of a fire. Okay. I thought about that today. I went, I don't actually think I know how to use one. I'm being serious. I've never read the directions I see hanging on the wall. I'm sure I can figure it out. And you guys laugh like this is hilarious. Do you practice on a regular basis using your fire extinguisher? No, you just know it's there in case of emergency. And you know, sadly, the most reoccurring way that I see a fire extinguisher used is in the movies for self-defense. <laughs> like, I feel like that's important. That's how I've seen it used. Okay, so now let's go back to prayer for a minute. Our fire extinguisher prayer that's only there in case of an emergency. But sometimes if you need it for something else, this is how you've seen it be used. But then this other thing happened that I didn't know. Did you know they expire? Like there's actually an expiration date? Okay, I don't often answer the church phone because that's the front office's job. But sometimes when she's on the phone, it sends it to mine. Okay, a lady called the other day and she said, I need to come and service your fire extinguishers. I said, oh, that's good. Do you know where they are? 
she said, yes, I do. I said, excellent. I'll let the office know. Okay, I did not know they had to be serviced and they expire. Okay, one time we're driving to a rodeo. We are seven miles from the rodeo in California. So we've been driving from here to California with a full trailer and we get going up the hill and my pickup catches on fire. Okay, no problem. Orin just gets on the radio and he says, honey, where's the smoke coming from? I said, oh, I don't know. There was no smoke coming out around my pickup. I had no clue my pickup was on fire. Okay, it turns out it was right under me. That's why I couldn't see it because it was coming out over here. Um, so then I, you know, get it off the road and Orin comes running with the fire extinguisher that has not been serviced. So what does he do? He uses what he saw in the movies to like bust the cap off, except it wasn't used on another person, and starts dumping it on the motor. It kind of helped for a minute. And then we jumped in the back of the pickup and got all of the Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper that we weren't gonna drink because we don't really drink pop. And we dumped it all over the motor and we got the fire out, crisis averted. Okay, a crisis happened. I had the fire extinguisher. It was expired and good thing Oren was there because I wouldn't have known how to use it. Okay, now let's jump back to prayer. A crisis happens. We know that we have access to prayer, but I haven't really learned how to use it. So I'm gonna use it to the best of my ability. And if that doesn't work, I'm gonna find a backup plan. It's crazy, right? The fire extinguisher is hilarious. You're like, you, you, you thought lots of things you're not allowed to say while you're fasting about me. <laughs> I understand, it's fine, okay? I don't, I, I take it, you can judge, repent later. Um, but when we think about that in prayer and we redirect it at ourselves and go, am I, am I a crisis prayer? Do I practice? Do I know how to fight in prayer for something? Or do I not? Okay, the Bible says to, to never stop praying. Okay, God's design for prayer was connection and relationship with him, bringing heaven to earth and accessing all that he has for us. Okay, in James 5, 16, the second part of it, it says that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay, when I read that, man, we are only gonna get to like point number one. I just have to say, we've been 20 minutes, we haven't even made it to point one. It's fine, okay? The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if there can be an effective fervent prayer of a righteous man, then there can probably be an ineffective random prayer by unrighteous men because righteousness is just right standing with God, right? And we're only declared righteous through grace. So if I'm living outside of a relationship with God, then my prayers could very well be ineffective and random instead of effective and fervent because we weren't created to live outside of a relationship with God. I don't wanna pray ineffective random prayers. And I may have said that and some of us in here are like, come to think of it, I feel like I pray pretty ineffective and randomly. That's okay, we're gonna solve that tonight. But we can, it is possible for us to pray ineffective and random prayers before God when we are not connected in a living relationship with Him. Because effective, fervent prayers are made by righteous men and they avail much. Are our prayers availing much or are they not? Dependency on God brings direction from God and prayer acknowledges our dependence on God. Dependency on God brings direction from God and prayer acknowledges our dependence on him. See, prayer isn't about what we can get from him. I gotta lay a foundation of really what prayer was designed to be before we can jump in to our notes. But prayer was designed for just relationship with him and it wasn't designed for, God gave me this cool thing called prayer so that I can get whatever I want when I want it from heaven. That's not what it was designed to be. Prayer was designed so that I can say, God, I'm dependent on you. I am refocusing. I am submitting to the word of God. I am submitting to your way. I am submitting to your will and not my own. And now I wanna live in relationship with you. That is what prayer is. It is a lifeline to heaven. It is not just a randomness that we can do. We were not created to live outside of a relationship with him. Um, Romans 8, 14 says, for as many are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We need help to live for him. We were never meant to accomplish 
who we're supposed to be on our own. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, I'm just wrapping up and putting together here the purpose of prayer, but with fasting, it, to be led by the Spirit, I have to say no to my flesh. So when we get in a lifestyle of fasting, I can say no to my flesh over here so that I can be led by the Spirit. But just saying no to my flesh without prayer will not let me walk according to the Spirit. This is where prayer comes in. Prayer comes in so that I can say, okay, now I surrender and I wanna walk according to your word. I wanna live according to your word. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so let's jump in to some things about prayer. So we're gonna choose to pray. And guys, this is not, I do not want this message to come across condemning in any way. If you're going, man, I feel like my prayers aren't working. I feel like my prayers are ineffective. This is not in any ounce of condemnation that the heart of this message is going, do we really know how to pray? Do we really know how important prayer is? Do we really know the lifeline and the, the tool that God has made available for us, the weapon that God has made available for us to live life? Because that is what the heart of this is, is that we would grab hold of it and go, I will not go another day without prayer. I will not go without the thing that God created me to live on. I'm not gonna do without it. So that's the heart of this. So my first point that I wanna make is that prayer has to be a priority. Prayer has to be a priority, okay? Why? Jesus made prayer a priority. And Jesus is our living example, that that would be the most important thing. So let's look at Mark 1.35. Jesus made prayer a priority. Prayer should be a priority in our lives. Okay, it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. I never thought God was up in that hour until I discovered this scripture. So not even joking, here's another... I'm giving you guys lots of opportunities to judge this evening. And then you take that thought captive and not judge me, okay? I literally am fasting an hour of sleep in the morning. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. I despise mornings, like with everything within me. I'm not even joking. I have been fasting an hour of sleep in the morning so that I get up a long while before daylight. And then I have solitary prayer time with God because Jesus did it, okay? It's important, but I'm not even joking. Because if I don't, then I just keep hitting the devil snooze button and it ruins my whole day. But Jesus made it a priority that he got up. Can we go back to the verse right before that? And then we'll, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Jesus put a priority on prayer. We should put a priority on prayer. Okay, Jesus was perfect. He was God. He was God, but knew that he could not accomplish the will of God on earth and endure the things that he was going to face outside of prayer. He still needed the relationship of God in his life to accomplish what he was supposed to do. How much more do we need that relationship? Okay, Matthew 6, 33, I'm just gonna quote this one while you go to Proverbs in the message. So as seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Okay, a popular verse. But then if we stop and ask ourselves, are we seeking him first? Because if we can seek him first, then we can also seek him last. So do we seek him first in our lives or do we seek him last in our lives? Okay, now let's look at Proverbs. We're gonna look at three, six through nine, but we're gonna read it in the message. I love this. Oh, we'll start in five because it's there. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Here we go. This is the best part. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. When we choose to live a prayerless life, we are assuming that we know it all. If I don't need God to live, then I've made God, or myself, God. Discerning right from wrong, discerning what I should do and not to do. That's who I've made, I've made myself God when I choose to not live a life in submission to God. Okay, if prayer and the presence are a priority in your life, then miracles become a lifestyle. If prayer and the presence are a priority in your life, then miracles become a lifestyle. It's impossible for it not to. 
Prayer in the presence of God. Okay, here's the thing. This is when things are changed, is when my presence, with a C, when my presence joins with God's presence, with a C, my life is changed. My surroundings are changed. My marriage is changed. My workplace is changed. That's when I see the change in the fruit of God come forth, when my presence is joined with his presence. When I bring my presence into his presence. Instead, we want God to bless my presence with his presence with a T. And then I don't see the presence that I requested. And so now God's not answering my prayers. And so now my prayers don't work. And so now God's not as faithful as I thought he was. Or now I'm just, I don't even know where he's at. And those are the kind of things that we say because if we're honest, we didn't get what we wanted. I didn't get what I wanted. And so now we question God's faithfulness. And this line, again, not in a, a condemning line in any, in any means, but if our prayers aren't working, if we're not seeing the fruit of our prayers, if we're not seeing the relationship with God grow, if I'm not seeing the will of God at work in my life, God's not the problem. That's where I need to grow. That's where I need to grow in my understanding. That is where, and maybe it's not even that you're praying anything wrong. Maybe it's that my faith needs to grow. Maybe I need to reestablish some things in my life so that I can stand on some different faith than what I've had before. Maybe I need to start praying the word in a different direction. Maybe I need to align myself in submission to his word and his will in a greater way. Because we can always, we never arrive. There's always more growth that we can go in our relationship with God. There's always depth that we can accomplish in our relationship with God. And that takes us to greater places. And so there's a whole lot that can be happening, but God is not broken. That is the biggest thing that I wanna get across tonight. God is not broken. His word is not broken. His promises have not disappeared. He hasn't ran out of them. He is not gone from up there. He is still very much there. He is still very much in authority. His promises are very true. His faithfulness is good. His goodness is good. His characteristics have not changed. His attributes have not changed. The only thing that needs to adjust and readjust and just maybe it's just persevering through is us. God's already accomplished it. If something is pulling, oh, am I on the right point? Oh yeah, I'm still on the right point. Prayer's a priority. If something is pulling us away from God, it's not from God. If something is pulling us away from God, it's not from God. Sometimes we have opportunities, we have things come into our life and if it's gonna pull me away from my relationship with Christ, if it's gonna pull me away from the standard of the word of God, if it's gonna pull me away from church, if it's gonna pull me away from community, if it's gonna pull me away into isolation, if it's gonna do any of those things, it's not from God because that's not the kind of God that we serve. When prayer is a priority in our life, then anything that comes into our life, we go, is it taking me closer to God or is it pulling me away from God? Because if it's pulling me away, it's not from God. If it's pulling me closer, it is absolutely God. And so we gotta be careful with that when we're looking at priority. Prayer is not supposed to be convenient because it's a covenant. Prayer is not supposed to be convenient, it's a covenant. When we come into a relationship with God, there is a blood covenant that has been set in our lives that when I receive Jesus, then I have a covenant with God and that cannot be broken and that cannot be changed. And you think about it with a marriage covenant. Okay, I am in covenant with Oren. I do not get to be a wife when it's convenient. Correct? If I'm only a wife when it's convenient, my marriage will be a shipwreck, I promise. I'm in covenant with Oren, which means I need to be who I'm created to be, to be a wife 24 seven, not when it's convenient. But somewhere we think in our covenant relationship with God, that when it's convenient, I'll do my part. But the other side of that is we expect God to do his part all the time. I'll pray when it's convenient. I'll be in the word when it's convenient. I'll go to church when it's convenient. I'll tithe when it's convenient. I'll obey when it's convenient. I'll talk right when it's convenient. But I expect you to hold up your side all the time because I'm in covenant with you. So it wasn't ever created out of convenience. It was created to be a covenant relationship with him. Okay, let's keep going. Got a little deep for a minute where we at on time. Okay, my second point 
So the first one was to make prayer a priority. My second point is that prayer is personal. Okay, God wants a personal relationship with him. And sometimes it's easy to feel like the whole world is praying. How does he decipher which ones are my prayers and which ones are the ones that everybody else has? Okay, part of being in prayer, my next point is gonna kind of wrap all this up, but stay with me just for a minute. The prayer is personal. God wants a personal relationship with us. The God of the universe wants a personal relationship with us, not a universal one. He wants a personal relationship. And I wanna look at some scriptures right here. First John 5, 14, this is one of my favorite scriptures and has been one of my favorite scriptures throughout the fast. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That this is the confidence that we have in him. When I have a personal relationship with somebody, then I feel confident going and asking them for things. I feel confident going to talk to them about things. When it's a stranger, I'm not gonna go ask them for money. I'm not gonna go ask a stranger for advice on my marriage. I'm not gonna go ask a stranger advice on what to do with my finances. I'm not gonna ask a stranger really anything. I don't talk to strangers, okay? I'm not gonna ask a stranger those things. But when I have a personal relationship, and that is what prayer is designed to be, when we have a personal relationship with our Father, then this says now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, that He hears us. Are we confident that God hears us? Are we, if not, this scripture is your promise. Grab it and you quote it every day. I am confident that my God hears everything that comes out of my mouth, good and bad. It'll clean up your talk real fast, okay? I am confident that he hears me. I am confident that when I ask, and then let's go to the next scripture because it's equally as promising that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, meaning if I confidently know that my God heard me, I ask something according to his will, then whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked for. I know that I have them. So one, the first thing is that because I have a personal relationship with him, I'm confident that he hears me. But then not only that, I'm confident that when I ask and I ask according to his will, that he not only hears me, but I already have the thing that I've asked for even before I see it. How cool is that? Do we have that confidence? Do we have the confidence that, okay, so I have confidence to go ask my husband for something. I have confidence to go ask my parents for something. I have confidence that I can go and say, hey, I need this. I need you to take care of this. But then not only that, I don't have to keep checking in and be like, so did you take care of that? Did you really do that? Are you gonna take care of the thing you said that you were gonna take care of? I don't question. When I ask, I have the confidence that they heard me, but then I also have the confidence that it's already done. I don't need to keep checking back. But sometimes in our relationship with God, we ask him and we're like, God, I don't know if you heard me yesterday. I know you probably got a lot of prayers from the rest of the universe. And we ask, but God's a personal God. And this scripture says, I can confidently ask him things. So he answers us based on who he is and not on who we are. Okay, Deuteronomy 31.6. And this one was super fun to me, but it was also super convicting to me as well. All of the scriptures, I mean, I was really convicted today, but it's okay. It'll be good. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do we believe that? He is with me. He is omnipresent. He is with me no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm going through. God is already here and I can talk to him personally and I can talk to him confidently. Here was the, you're like, well, that wasn't convicting at all. That was rather encouraging. Here was the convicting part of the scripture. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This scripture is talking about God, correct? Usually we live as though the enemy never leaves us nor forsakes us, not God. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the devil never leaves you nor forsakes you. But we live like he does. We talk like he does. We pray like he does. We don't live like 
God never leaves us nor forsakes us. You ask where the enemy is? Everywhere. Where's God? Way up there. That is our reality. We like really want to figure out how to pray for Amazon Prime two-day shipping so our prayers get to heaven and back in a timely manner. But don't worry, the enemy never leaves me. The Bible never says that. The Bible says that God never leaves you nor forsakes you. It does not say anything about the enemy never leaving you. It says to be watchful and be vigilant because your adversary the devil roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But he is not omnipresent. That is an attribute of God, not the enemy. That alone would change our prayer life if we really prayed and talked and lived like God was omnipresent and the devil wasn't. That would change everything about our prayer lives. He is not omnipresent. God is always present. So pray like it, talk like it, live like it. God is with me no matter what and I confidently know he hears me. We don't have to whisper our prayers. God, he or God hears everything that we pray. Here's the thing, the enemy can't see what's coming. He doesn't know where your life is going tomorrow. Think about this for a minute. Had he known how this was gonna go, why did he put Jesus on the cross? He is not all knowing. He is not omnipresent. He was responsible for putting Jesus on the cross. And little do we know, we should say, thank you devil for contributing to the saving of humanity. I appreciate you. You literally led to your own demise. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> okay, the same thing is true in our lives. He does not know. He is not omnipresent and he is not omniscient. God is. And we should live like that. We should pray like that. Okay. Um, the only way not to be a good prayer and not have a relationship with God is to not show up. We're gonna talk about how to pray effectively and how to pray fervently in our next point. But if you think about it for a minute, God just wants to hear for us, from us. He wants us to desire him, not things. Prayer is about desiring a relationship with him, not his things. Not If we never got a thing from God, but we had relationship with him and received eternal life and grace and love and mercy, that would be enough and it should be enough. Because that's what he's already blessed us with. That's what he's already given us. But when we don't show up to prayer, that's ineffective prayer. When we come to prayer and all we care about are things, that's ineffective prayer. Because prayer is about knowing him. The disciples, they watch this lifestyle that Jesus lived. And I'll give you some more scriptures for you just to write down in your notes. But the, the disciples watched the lifestyle that Jesus lived. They knew where the power came from. They didn't say, can I have a pair of those sandals? They must give you super healing powers. They did not ask him for that. They didn't ask him for a copy of his robe. They said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. When you look throughout the word of God and you look at the disciples and they were there with Jesus all the time, that's what they asked Jesus to teach them, to pray. They didn't say, teach us to feed the 5,000. Teach us to turn water into wine. Teach us to, they didn't, they didn't say that. They said, teach us to pray. And they recognized the personal relationship that they had with Jesus. And sometimes we don't know all the right things to say. We don't have all the right words, all the right lingo, all the right whatever that we feel like we need to be able to pray. Guys, we have that same personal access to Jesus that we can say, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. And he will, because when we, when we talk about him being personal, and I'm just gonna quote some of these scriptures, Jeremiah 33 says, call to me and I will. Hmm. Do we confidently believe that when I call to God, he's gonna answer me? Do I confidently believe that when I call to God, he's going to answer me? That's a personal relationship. Can we look at Jeremiah 29, 13? And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And now let's look at Matthew 7, 7 and 8. These are all promises from God that as we're praying, that we can quote these to build our own faith. 
It's not just that we, I mean, I, I do this all the time. When I'm reading these, I'm going, God, I know when I call to you, I know that you will answer me. I know that I can confidently approach your throne. I know that I can confidently come and ask, and I know without a doubt that you hear me. And if I don't believe it, I say it until it becomes my reality. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. I quote these because faith comes by hearing. We're going to get to that. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. We got to build our faith sometimes with the word of God, that this becomes our reality and not everything else. Okay, our next point is to pray the word. Pray the word. This is the biggest part of tonight's message is to pray the word of God. Because here's, here's my disclaimer with this, is that sometimes I pray to my words and I pray according to my will. My words have zero power. My will is usually wrong, okay? My words and my will have no power. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So I thought about that scripture today and I went, so do I be positive all the time? Instead of negative, does that produce life? And I prayed that out. I said, God, show me. God, show me what the scripture, if I have life and death in the power of my tongues, what is life and what is death? And it's the substance of our words. See, I can't spill out something that I don't have in me. I could be the most positive person on earth and have no word on the inside of me and not produce life. Just being positive does not produce life in your life. It does not produce life in your marriage. It does not produce life in your workplace. It does not produce life in your family. Just being positive does not produce life. Because when you look up what life is, the word is life. Jesus is life. The Holy Spirit is life. That is what brings life. That is what gives life. That is the only source of life that can be possible. And so when I am not filled with the word of God, when I don't have it in me, I cannot produce life out of my mouth. Positivity is not life. The word of God is life. I can't pour out what I don't have in me. And that's where life comes from. So life and death. So I want us to, to grab hold of this. Life and death are in the power of our tongue. So what is death? That means when I'm filled with the world, when I'm filled with my own words, when I'm filled with anything contrary to the word of God, anything outside of the word of God, and I'm trying to produce my own life, it's only gonna produce left. There is a way that seems right to man and its way is death. Anything outside of the word of God that comes out of my mouth produces death. When I'm filled with the word of God and I speak the word of God into situations, I speak of the overflow of the word of God. That does not mean you gotta like, quote scripture 24 seven to produce life and not death, okay? But don't take me so literally, but out of the overflow, out of the overflow where I'm going, no, what I speak, I'm speaking words of life because I'm overflowing life. Because I fill myself up on life, then I overflow on life. If I do not have any feeling of life, I cannot produce it. No matter how positive and encouraging you try to be, it will not produce life. Okay? All right. The word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and penetrates the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's Hebrews 4.12. So the word of God is powerful and it is living. Okay, let's look at Isaiah 55.11. I know I have a lot of scriptures, but I just really wanted to back this up. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, that it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word cannot return void. So when I'm filled with God's word, it cannot return empty. It has to go and not only accomplish what it was sent to accomplish, but it has to prosper in that thing. Okay, so now you're like, okay, now how are we putting this all together? Okay, so the word of God, there is no situation that we can face in life that there isn't a scripture for. This is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. The word of God is a weapon. It is mentioned as a sword. It is a light. It is a lamp. It is a life. It is truth. It is, I mean, you can go through forever all the things that the word of God is. Okay, so when we pray the word of God, when we pray the word of God, what it does is it takes my words and my will and it submits them to the words and the will of God so that power is actually produced when I pray. Praying the word of God. So when you say, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what I should pray, go to the word of God. Go to the word of God. That if you can, there's a scripture for everything in there. And I wanted to show you some examples 
of that that I have. I have my little declarations book. Okay, and in this book, I have topics of everything that you can come up with in life. I mean, I got topics for like when I'm angry, what I should pray about. I got topics for when I feel hurt, what I should pray about, because I don't want there to be one area in my life that the word of God is not being applied and life is not being produced. So regardless of what I'm facing, regardless of what I'm going through, then scripture, 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 scripture. Because if I'm filling myself with the word of God and I'm filling myself with life, then I can pray and know that my prayers cannot return empty. Do we understand that outside of the word of God, that when I'm praying Shelby's words, Shelby's words hold no power, they will return empty. Shelby's words will not go and accomplish in the thing that I sent them to accomplish and prosper in it. It says that the word of God does that. And so I have to align my life up and my prayers up with the word of God. Does that make sense? I'm gonna give you an example, a couple maybe examples of just things that I pray. I pray over our finances, I pray over our days, I pray over, but I'm gonna read like the one I pray over my husband. Okay, it is important to pray over your family. It is important to pray over your spouse. It is important to pray over your workplace, your boss, your coworkers. Speak the word of God because your words will always return empty. God's word cannot. So pray those over. So regardless, and I wrote this when we were dating. So like this is, and I pray this all the time. And it's not just like a repetitive thing. You're like, I thought we weren't supposed to pray repetitive prayers. Okay, I pray it and I add to and take different parts away every day. And it's a, a relational thing. It's not a, a legalistic thing, but this is the prayer that I pray over Oren. Say, God, I thank you that Oren is a man after your own heart. He is a man of valor. He can do all things through you. I thank you that because Oren diligently obeys you and obeys your voice, that blessings are his, that they shall come upon him and overtake him. He is blessed in the city. He is blessed in the country. The fruit of his body, the produce of his ground, the increase of his herds, the increase of his cattle and offspring of his flocks. Oren is blessed when he comes in and blessed when he goes out. Any enemy that rises against him will be defeated before his face. They shall come against him in one way and flee in seven. Everything Oren sets his hands to will be blessed and you bless the work of his hands. He shall lend to many, but he shall not borrow. Oren is the head and not the tail, the first and not the last, above only and not beneath. He will not turn to the right or to the left, but he will heed your word in all that he does. I thank you that you perfect all that concerns Oren, that Oren's steps are ordered by you, that Oren has the power and the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. Oren shall not lack or want any good thing. Oren has both favor with God and favor with man. Your mercy for Oren is new every morning. Oren will excel in his work. Your divine power has given him all he needs for life and godliness. Thank you for the plans that you have for him, for peace and well-being, for and not for disaster to give him a future and a hope. Okay, I pray that consistently over him. Why? Because my words, I thank you that he's a good man. I thank you that he is not selfish and I thank you that he provides. And I think those are all great things. I am speaking no life. I am speaking nothing that can't return void. I am speaking nothing that will go and accomplish the thing that it is sent and prosper. Does that make sense? So I have one of those written for every area of my life. I have one written, written for when I wake up in the morning. I have one written, I mean, you write them for whatever you want. Like Walmart, you should write, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. <laughs> Just quote that all the way through, it is important, okay? No plague shall come near my, my dwelling. You, I mean, just that's what you pray when you go into Walmart. Have a scripture for Walmart. It's important. But those are the things that I pray. And I pray them consistently because my words in and of themselves do not have power. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says that we can have what we say. Okay, and here's a challenging scripture, um, a challenging mindset, I guess I would say, that as we're praying, says you shall have whatever you say. Think about that for a minute. It just got scary because you're like, oh, dang. You shall have whatever you say. That's why I say that about Warren. I shall have whatever I say. Okay, those are important things to have. Okay, but here's where I want to change this. And I read this. I didn't bring the little book with me. I forgot my little book. But in my little book, I read a guy was preaching this scripture. And he said, as I was preaching this scripture, he said, the Lord arrested me and said, I told them they can have whatever they say, but instead they say what they have. And because they say what they have, they have what they say. And it keeps them in the circumstance and the cycle that they've always been in. 
and they can't figure out how to get out because they quote the scripture, but they consistently say what they have instead of having what they say. And now they have what they say. Okay, so I'll explain. I know you're like, wait, let me, let me put this on two different plays. <laughs> I had to think about it for a minute myself. But, okay, we can say what we have or we can have what we say. Here's what it doesn't say. Oh yeah, that's what I want. But he will have whatever he says. It does not say that he will have whatever they say. It does not say they will have whatever it says. It says they will have whatever they say. So if I make this personal because my personal relationship with God, okay, and I'm praying the word of God and, I, and I'm having this, this prayer life, I'm restructuring my prayer life. If I can have, so according to the scripture, Shelby can have whatever Shelby says, right? It does not say Shelby can have whatever they say and Shelby can have whatever it says. So what they say and what it has, or it says, has no authority in my life unless I give it to it, correct? Yeah? So when the doctor says, I have cancer, the doctor said, I had it. Is it fact? Yeah, that's a fact. So I'm not denying that that is a fact, but it does not become that I have whatever I say until I have, I'm not saying that. Do we see that? I can say it in faith and go, I have this, believe with me. What did I just do? I can have whatever I say because I just said what I had. If, if my, my personal ankle can be broken, okay? That is fact, everyone can see it. I literally am walking on crutches, okay? It can be broken. My ankle though, right? My, my ankle's broken. My ankle says it's broken. I said I'm healed and I'll have whatever I say. I choose to walk by faith and not by sight. I and that is every area of life. It is not denying that that's there. I'm not gonna say, it's not broken. That's a terrible idea. But I believe that it's healed and you watch God start to turn things around and heal things in your life. They said, I'm a failure. Well, that's not true until you say it. Now you give it authority, okay? But what about when we pray? God, I have no money and I really need your help and I need you to come and you can have whatever you say. You said you had no money. Your bank account may have revealed that to you, but I'm not giving it because then here's what happens. So here's a, a practical way that the word of God works. Instead, I say, God, I thank you that I'm a tither. And I thank you that because I'm a tower that you rebuke the devourer for my sake. And that you say to test you in this, that you will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that I will not be able to contain it. I thank you that everything I set my hands to is blessed. I thank you that you're the blessing of my increase. I thank you, God, that you shall supply all my need according to my riches and glory. I thank you that because you are my shepherd, I shall not want. Your word says I shall not lack and I shall not want for any good thing. That's what I pray. I understand the reality. But then here's what I can do. That also challenges me that when I blow all my money all month long, now in order to apply the word of God, I have to submit to walk out the word of God, right? Now I have to become a doer because if I'm not a tither, sorry, you can't claim tithers rights. The windows of heaven are shut up. It's Bible, that's not Shelby, I'm just telling you, start tithing. But I can claim it when I walk it out. So now I'm walking out and I'm moving my life into obedience that I will steward what God's put into my hand. And it's not mine, it is God's money. And it is my job to steward everything, no matter how little or how great it is. And if I'm supposed to give it all away, I'm supposed to give it all away. It wasn't mine to begin with. Do you see the difference? I didn't say I was broke, my bank account did. And my bank account has no power, actually has a lot of power over my debit card working and not working, but it has no authority in my life. And I say differently because of the word of God. I say what my marriage is according to the word of God, even if it's in a hard place. I say what my healing is according to the word of God, even when I'm not seeing it. I say what my purpose is according to the word of God, even I can have whatever I say, but we have to be careful not to say what we have. Do we see that? It's not denying 
that it exists, but it doesn't get to rule and it doesn't have authority until I claim it with my mouth. I claim what the word says. So now let's go to one more point. And that is, I have written down my question there for that one is that what would happen if we lived and prayed like the word of God were true? What would happen if we lived and prayed like the word of God were true? Because sometimes we hope for it. Sometimes it's a really good fire extinguisher. It's really good to encourage anybody else. But when I'm angry and it says, do be angry and do not sin and a fool just spouts out of his mouth. I don't want to apply the word of God. That's when I go, God says that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we confess them to you. I usually skip the anger ones and jump to that one and then I'm covered, but it, we don't want to apply it in that moment, right? Okay, so now our, our last point, I don't know what number on, three, four, pray in faith, pray in faith. Okay, and we've been talking about faith almost all month. We've been talking about seeds and planting seeds and then producing a harvest. Okay, here's the thing about faith. I have a faith test for us. Okay, Mark eleven twenty two says to have faith in God, right? Have faith in God. So if we can have faith in God, and the Bible specifically says in God with an exclamation point. Well, it does in the other version and my Bible has an exclamation point. Have faith in God. Okay, it says it specifically in God. If it commands us to have faith in God, then that tells me that it is possible for me to put my faith in something or someone else. Because it doesn't say to have faith. With, we attribute faith with the Bible. All of us have a measure of faith. All of us have faith in someone or something, right? Is it in God? Or is it in someone or something else? And we're gonna find out, okay? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. That's what the first line says. The second line says, and by hearing the word of God. The first line just says, faith comes by hearing. What are you hearing? What are we listening to? Because it will determine who and what you have faith in. If it is in the word of God, okay, here's the two different faiths. We will either have natural faith and usually we have natural and supernatural, but the abundance will be in natural faith or it will be in supernatural faith. Your natural faith is all of you sitting on those chairs, assuming that they're not gonna break. You didn't ask the chair before you sat down if it was gonna hold you up. You just believed that it did. Natural faith, okay? Now, when I hear things, speak things, hear things, listen to things, listen to people, look at Facebook. I'm hearing, those are gates. That's all coming in, right? It is building my natural faith or it is building my supernatural faith. One of the two. Supernatural faith only comes by hearing the word of God, only comes. And that's what our last point was so important. Be in the word, pray the word, be in the word, pray the word, believe the word, pray the word, memorize the word, be in the word. It is a lifeline. I cannot tell you how important the word of God is. If you don't know where to start in Christianity, you don't know where to start in any season that you're in right now, start in the word. Get in the word of God, but at the word, the word, the word. That's where supernatural faith comes, okay? Now we're gonna do a faith test. Are you guys ready? You're like, no, just look down. So then your eyes don't get really big and everybody's like, <gasps> just look down, okay? All right. If we are shocked or surprised when the word of God works when we pray, you have more faith in the natural than you do in the supernatural. Your faith is in the enemy, the works of the world, instead of in the works of God. Think about it for a minute. We pray for someone and you're like, yeah, I have faith, their, their foot's gonna be healed and it's healed and you're like, oh, it worked. have no faith in God. Your faith was in the doctor's report and what you saw in that foot. No faith in God. Do we see, do we see that? Guys, our reality should be that I am shocked when that isn't healed. I am shocked when what I pray for doesn't happen. I am shocked when I don't see the promises of God at work in my life. I am shocked. That's our reality because that's the God we serve and that's the word that we have on the inside of us. Do we see that? Okay, that should be our reality. Our words is gonna be what forms the reality in our homes. 
is gonna be what forms the reality in our lives that we should expect. That every, I, I, it's not a doubt, it's not, that's not a question for me that, that her foot's not broken, but it's not a question that that foot won't be healed. I am not shocked or surprised when it's healed. I am shocked and surprised when it isn't. And this is the encouragement that I wanna give us. Again, not a condemning thing, an encouraging thing. I bet I've got 15 texts this week that said, I have a cough, I've tested positive, I've, I, can't, I have to quarantine, I have, I, I'm not even joking, I bet I've got 15 texts. Everybody in here probably is like, yeah, me too. Okay? I'm not denying that that's not real. Here's what I am denying. Nowhere in my Bible does it say, just accept it. It is what it is. It, does, it doesn't say it. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. It doesn't say it anywhere in there. The Bible says to take authority over it. My Bible says to res- submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It says that by his stripes, it says that as sure as the sun comes up, so your healing shall speed forth or come forth speedily. That's what my Bible says. And that's what my Bible, so I'm not denying that this stuff doesn't happen. But my question is, where do we go? <clears throat> no, absolutely not. According to the word of God, this is what it says. This is what I'm confessing. And I will not have whatever that says I have because I say that I have this. That is my encouragement that we live like that, that the first sign of something, we don't just accept what we're told we have, but we deny it and go, no, that may be fact right now until tomorrow, because I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna get into the word of God, but only when it's not a fire extinguisher. Otherwise we don't know how to use it. We have to get in the word and go, no, I know. I know how to pray. I know exactly that in that moment we go, nope, I know what scriptures I'm praying and we're already spouting them out and we're already declaring it and we're already praying it because God's word cannot return empty and I can have whatever I say because that's a promise for God and I confidently know that he hears me. Will you stand with me?